Hi, everyone. You're listening to PR Hangover, a bi-weekly public relations podcast and talk show hosted by Grand Valley State University's PRSSA chapter and me, Hunter Buren. Sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the PR Hangover Podcast, everyone. Today we have Dave on the podcast. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Dave Nitkevich with Experience Grand Rapids. I'm a recent Grand Valley grad and uh, work as the specialty market sales manager. All right, so can we, we're just going to kick off this podcast today. We're going to kind of talk about the tourism industry in general and where that intersects with ad and PR. So can you just give a brief description of Experience GR and a few things that they've really done for the city? Yeah, absolutely. So we are the Destination Marketing Organization, or DMO, for Grand Rapids and Kent County. The mission of Experience Grand Rapids is really to strengthen the region's economic vitality through quality of life by marketing Grand Rapids and Kent County as a preferred visitor destination. So um, that manifests itself in a couple ways. Uh, We're a 501c6 not-for-profit private corporation. Um, We've got an annual budget of about $11 million, uh, and that comes from hotel room taxes. We operate uh, the Gerald Ford International Airport's Visitor Service Program and have about 35 employees as well as a few rotating college interns. Um, We're a membership organization, so we've got restaurants and attractions and and other community partners that are uh, kind of helping us create the content that we make, and we're the primary funding source for the West Michigan Sports Commission. Um, So we're really charged with representing this destination and helping the long-term development of our community through a kind of a travel and tourism strategy. You know, I like to say it starts with a visit. Um, if you're going to consider being a student or taking a job or getting married or buying a house or starting a business in a community, everything starts with a visit. So mm-hmm. for visitors, we're really uh, the key to the city. We kind of serve as a broker or an official point of contact for convention and visitors, um, business travelers, leisure travelers. But we also assist um, meeting planners with preparation and encourage business travelers and visitors alike to kind of interact with the local, historic, cultural, and recreational sites in Grand Rapids. Yeah, for sure. Do you know when um, it was founded? And do you know when they found out, or do you know why why, um, Experience GR was founded? Yeah, so Experience Grand Rapids is actually the Kent County Convention and Visitors Bureau. which has been around for uh, since at least the 80s, I believe even earlier. Um, Largely, convention and visitors bureaus were created to help fill convention centers and drive convention business to downtown. Um, I I couldn't tell you the year, but I think it was something like 2008, 2009, we rebranded as Experience Grand Rapids because Kent County Uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau is a mouthful. So we are technically still the Visitors Bureau, uh, DBA or doing business as Experience Grand Rapids. Interesting. All right. So you said you have a position as a specialty market sales manager. What does that really <laughs> entail? I know that's a mouthful. It's a mouthful and it's like equally broad and ambiguous. Um, Sounds like most of the positions <laughs> in our field. Yeah, it's it, it's literally like a catch-all. I feel like I'm that net at the bottom of the totem pole that's just kind of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but really, uh, the specialty market sales manager is is 
uh, it encompasses a few things. Um, mainly, I work within the group tour industry. So, I mean, tourism in its broadest sense is the largest industry in the world. And group tourism is also a pretty ambiguous title. But yeah. essentially, it's comprised of tour operators and travel planners who package travel product domestically and around the world. Think like motor coaches with like senior citizens that are piling like 55 of them at a time and they're going to tulip time. Uh-huh. Like tulip time in the 80s was getting 400 motor coaches at a time for over their 10 day period. Wow. I mean, it's, it's so it used to be this monster of a thing. Yeah. It's still pretty big. You see a lot of it with, with like cruise ships and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, through my role at Experience Grand Rapids, I also serve on the National Tour Association's Board of Directors. The National Tour Association is based out of Lexington, Kentucky, but they're the the leading business association for professionals serving customers traveling to, from, and within North America. So our membership is comprised of tour operators, travel agents, destinations, tour suppliers like museums, attractions, hotels, uh, and together the membership of the National Tour Association represents more travel product and more business-to-business networking than really any other travel industry association with customers and product all over the United States, Canada, Mexico, and 40 other countries. So in addition to the group tour market, which does take up a lot of my time, especially on this national board, I also work with a few other specialty markets. So again, going back to that catch-all. So Mm -hmm. weddings, reunions, birthdays, corporate retreats, craft beer clubs, um, and others. You know, I assist them with their planning, uh, really their itinerary planning, what they can do while they're here, why should they be here in the first place, um, you know, recommending attractions like the Frederick Meyer Gardens, the Gerald Ford Presidential Museum, the Downtown Market, uh, other restaurants or dining options. And then ultimately we, we take the dates that they're planning and help them kind of figure that out. But then we'll go to our hotel partners and send them the lead. And then ultimately the hotels will book those groups. And ultimately that's what funds our organization. So again, we exist to kind of keep our hotels full. And so when someone calls me, we work with them to contact our partners and, and largely plan mm-hmm. their visit. So I, I would say what you do is similar to like a concierge for a hotel, but before they're even in the hotel. Is that? We're a concierge for the community. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's interesting because I always thought like you sell them on the community after they're in the community because it's easier this way, but... Of course, you have to get them before they're even thinking about where to go. Absolutely. Well, there's kind of a distinction, too, between leisure travelers and meeting planners. Uh So meeting planners, conferences, conventions, we already got conferences on the books for 2024, or people are already sold. And and we've got leisure travelers that don't know that they're going to be staying here until they start getting sleepy as they're driving from Kalamazoo to Traverse City tonight (laughs) and pull over and stay in a hotel. So, you know, you get the people that are kind of the impulse stay or the weekend traveler and everywhere in between. Um, So you have to have kind of a a place in, in, excuse me, you have to have tactics in place to really serve everyone wherever they're at. Um, So largely our organization is kind of split into two. We've got kind of our marketing arm and our sales arm. So our marketing arm is largely aimed at and focuses on uh, content marketing and and getting to those leisure travelers and local community partners and residents. Um, And then the sales arm, what I do and my teammates and people in our department work largely with, with meeting planners, convention planners, tour operators, travel agents, brides, everyone that's kind of planning future travel. So it, it's a yin and yang. You can't have one without the other. And, um, you know, on the sales team, it's it's really more anticipatory. 
Mm-hmm. So I know the tourism industry and the PR industry have a lot of overlapping themes, but I think a lot of people, at least majoring in ad and PR in college, don't really think of the tourism industry as a viable option for um, post-grad work. What are you? What are some things that you learned in the tourism industry that you think can apply to all areas of PR? It's a great question, um, and one that I had to ask myself when I was going to school quite a few times. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, there's so much overlap. Uh, it's really quite dizzying. Um, you know, first and foremost, uh, really, I think that the biggest thing of overlap is kind of anticipated service or anticipated empathy, if you will, or just empathy for others, kind of having that others-focused mentality. Uh-huh. Um, and to really kind of get into that, you know, first and foremost, tourism is hospitality. It's a hospitality business. Being hospitable at its core is the best life skill that I've ever had to develop. My background in hotels, working in them, is really how I paid for college. And so practically, when you start a career in public relations, you know, I hope that everyone listening to this remembers that to be hospitable and and having a job, you know, sometimes people feel like, oh, this is just a temporary job. I'm just a bartender. I'm just a, you know, whatever the role is. But really, Mm -hmm. I mean, the life skills you make, the interpersonal skills that you make are incredible. So really what I've learned from the tourism industry is how to treat clients and coworkers and media, social or otherwise, with empathy, you know, ultimately as, as someone giving good customer service it really forces you when you're in that role to help solve the guests problems you know you'll have a guest come up to you and say hey you know we're here for the weekend what should we do where should we go and you have to kind of put yourself in their shoes and say all right well have you had have you eaten yet like what about dinner do you like seafood how about this you know what's your price uh-huh. point how far do you want to walk you know some very practical things that you kind of develop but largely hospitality is that mentality when you take it to public relations it's the same kind of thing where you're setting goals and objectives and you're, you're kind of working with clients you're working with uh, whether it's your own organization your nonprofit or other companies that you're helping to create a strategy for you know it's it's where do you want to go with this what's the objective what's the strategy you know yeah. who do you want to talk to how do you want to talk to them it's the same it's the same format and it's really being others focused and, and learning how to communicate well you know if you look at um, Marriott is really outstanding and I worked for them a couple of times so I'm personally biased but when they train their associates their word for employees you know they train them not to pass the buck they train them to be the the solution for the guest not the customer the guest and you know if you look at really premium luxury hotels like a Ritz Carlton uh-huh. Ritz Carlton has this $2,000 policy where uh, they empower their employees to spend up to $2,000 to solve a guest's problem without even asking for a manager. That's ridiculous. Like, you heard that That's, right. Like, literally, yeah. they can spend up to two grand per incident, not per year. <laughs> Per incident, you could spend $2,000 10 times in a weekend if it was validated. But really, they, they're there to ex- to rescue the guest experience. And, you know, how does that translate to public relations? You've got to treat your clients like guests with anticipated empathy. What's a client or guest worth to you? Very interesting. So while working with such a big client or just group as the city of Grand Rapids and Kent County, do you find it hard to narrow down all the content that you're promoting? Yeah. So kind of like I was saying earlier, there's there's different arms and you have to meet people where they're at. 
Um, you know, it's important to have a message for every medium kind of thing. Uh -huh. um, you know, you learn all about content creation in school, but, you know, real world application, like when you're trying to represent something as large as the city of Grand Rapids and the county of Kent, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so we, we ended up, you know, and I'll, I'll speak a little bit to the marketing team. I'm not technically on the marketing team, but I know a thing or two. Um, in a way, we're serving them like a client, you're right, but you know, it's really that we're serving the hoteliers in town and, and ultimately driving visitation. And, and our board of directors is, is who guide us and, and who help us navigate that. And our board is comprised of people like the mayor. So in a way, the city is our client. But uh -huh. really, um, they, they, they exist to guide our organization. But if you look at the nuts and bolts, the tactics, you know, the content we produce is really wide. Uh, we really take a content marketing approach when promoting Grand Rapids in Kent County. Um, you know, and it involves way more than just words and images. The experienced Grand Rapids content marketing strategy focuses on delivering the right message to the right person at the right time through you know, some various key destination brand pillars. So what we've done is we've kind of boiled down everything we do to six different categories from a branding perspective. Art and culture, food and dining, craft beer and beverages thanks long road and other craft distillers uh <laughs> music family travel and outdoor recreation so you know when you're promoting an area and you're making it and you're branding it yeah a brand is nothing more than a promise and those are six things that we promise to visitors that we know we can deliver on uh -huh. i'd love to be able to have um sports as a as a brand pillar yeah and we've got some really wonderful amateur sports but it's not necessarily going to be where we excel over other communities but i will stack our craft beer scene up against any other city in america um you know so as you as you have these different brand pillars contents shared through multiple mediums we do it on the website our social media we create video and photo targeted print ads and then we really power that content by targeted investments on social channels digital targeted print outdoor messaging um, and we really market investments in in targeted digital and retargeting and, and on, on the, all the targeting <laughs> yeah uh you know to kind of retarget to people and the the various audiences and then you know there's some that are a uh, bigger focus than others but you know we also do promotion through our sales team and meeting planners and tour operators and all that but really when you're when you're talking about a client as big as the city of grand rapids you know I, in my brain that's that's a lot of well you know how do you talk to the people that are already here versus how do you get people to come here yeah um, so that's uh, you know, through targeted communication, content marketing, uh, and those six brand pillars. Interesting. So what are some of the most interesting things that you really enjoy promoting? Like if you have a client come to you and say, hey, we want to go to the, we want to find something interesting. What is something you almost always recommend? Man, so what do I find interesting? What do my clients find interesting is a very different <laughs> answer. Sometimes. Yeah. You know, my clients, largely group tour operators, are senior citizens. Uh-huh. Uh, and so... There, there's a lot of overlap, believe it or not. Like, I've started to promote a lot of the, the things that senior citizens like to do, like the Frederick Meyer Gardens, for example. And the more our time I spend there, the more I love it. But, uh -huh. you know, really, if you think about, the, you know, the, I think the question was the most interesting things, man, our craft beer scene. Like, if you've been to uh, other communities like... Um, like a Napa Valley or a Louisville where they've got wine or bourbon and you, you look at our beer scene, uh, it's so much fun to promote it. You know, not everybody yeah. has that bourbon and horses is a really distinctive brand. You know, yeah. and it's kind of the same kind of quirky feel when you're like, we're beer city USA. Uh, you know, 
and that wasn't us that said that, by the way. That was examiner.com in 2013. They named us that. And pretty much since 2013, every year there's annual polls that are done. And we continue to have the best beer scene, the best beer bars, the best home brewing. I mean, there's just accolade after accolade after accolade on yeah. the national level. Um, and that really, uh, you know, has been started by founders and, and Bells, honestly, in Kalamazoo. They're kind of the godfathers of the industry. So uh-huh. there are two of them, you know, along with companies like a Sierra Nevada and a Fort Collins, uh, the um, New Belgium over there, or some of these others. But, you know, I would stack our beer scene up against anyone else. And, and it's it's like Napa Valley. Guess what? There's a lot of places in the United States to go for wine, but Napa's whole brand is wine. Yeah, for and that sure. doesn't mean that Willamette Valley in Oregon or Traverse City, Michigan don't have wine as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that we're like, you know, where some of the accolades are, are lofty. Uh, it's fun to go around and, and, and talk to the to the other folks in different cities and say, you know, yeah, we're Beer City USA. And then they're always like, oh, but we're Beer City USA. So it's, it's kind of fun. <laughs> but, you know, most interesting thing, not everyone can do that. We've got like what? Like Denver, Portland, yeah. San Diego, you know, a couple of others. But I, I would say largely we're pretty unique in our craft beer message um, and product available. So, um, you know, and, and that manifests itself. Shameless plug. We have a... Uh, craft beer passport that oh yeah I've heard of it. these are students so you have to be 21 I mean censoring censoring but <laughs> <laughs> um, when you go to any of the breweries in Kent County uh, that physically make beer on site so not a tap house but like a brewery um, such as a founders and you go in you can go talk to the bartender or the service staff and they have these paper passports that you can take and if you take it to uh, the different breweries, you can get a stamp and collect various stamps and write notes about the beers you tried and, and things like that. And if you get eight stamps, you can send that into our office and get a T-shirt. And right huh. now we've actually had over, oh, the number is over 8,000. I think it might be 9,000 by now. Wow. Since October of 2015, we've had over 8,000 people go to eight different breweries and get t-shirts and many of them uh, have continued on and, and now there's an ultimate Brusader thing and we just actually launched a Brusader app uh, huh. a couple weeks ago so now if you have like a half empty booklet because you forget to carry this booklet with you you can yeah. take pictures of the stamps that you already got and then you can continue and, and check in and, and do uh, other brewery visits and then ultimately uh, you know it's a fun weekend for out of town friends and it's just again one of those kind of quirky interesting things that I absolutely enjoy promoting yeah. Um, and the last thing I'll say is, um, and this is kind of funny because I would not consider myself very right wing, but I really, really like the the Gerald Ford Presidential Museum. Um, another one of those things that a lot of senior groups loved, and I kind of uh-huh. had to I had to rediscover it. You know, I went to Grand Valley for you know four years, never stepped foot in it. But then as soon as I got my job, I was like, all right, well, got to do the, got to make sure I see every attraction and know it and, and, and I'm familiar with the product and I, I fell in love with his story he's got this really unique narrative you know for those of you that don't know Nixon during Watergate uh, was forced out you know he wasn't quite impeached but he uh, named he resigned and he named Gerald Ford as the next president but he was uh-huh. kind of installed by the Congress because of the, the love and admiration that people had for him and then he turned around and pardoned Nixon in order for the country to heal and move on and, and the drama behind that is, is displayed really well you know he, he helped the country heal and move on and get past Vietnam and, and move forward and and he's largely credited with uh, 
with kind of helping the country heal, but he did so much other things. He started as a Boy Scout. He was an Eagle Scout. I was an Eagle Scout, so I like that. Uh-huh. He, he went to U of M in Ann Arbor. I'm from Ann Arbor. He yeah. played football. He got an offer from the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers to play professional football and then said, no, I want to go to law school. So <laughs> he went and he was a football coach at Yale and was a uh, to pay for law school, got his law degree, and then Pearl Harbor happened. And so he's like, well... I, uh, well, shortly he came back to Grand Rapids. He started his practice, and then Pearl Harbor happened. So he just got into it, and then he immediately turned around, joined the Navy, almost died in a monsoon out in, or a typhoon, excuse me, out in the Pacific Ocean. And that, that freaked him out, and, you know, like he, he learned a lot there, and they have a whole exhibit about that. And then, and then he comes back and works in, in law, works for Congress. He's a congressman in the area for a long time in the school where Kendall's at now in that building. I mean, it's kind of cool. And then, you know, he gets in and he ultimately takes over for Nixon. And then his wife has this whole interesting story where she was an <laughs> alcoholic. She had breast cancer. She was way more progressive than most first ladies. Yeah. Uh, and there's digital archives where you can go watch videos of, uh, you know, Mrs. Ford talking about things like living with a partner before marriage and recreational drug use and things that are like <laughs> not really like you wouldn't That's expect crazy. it. And then there was the bicentennial, but I, I, I could talk forever. But the thing that I like about that museum the most is during his memorial, they show all the, they, you know, his grave is, is right on the river there, and you can see uh-huh. it from the window. But um, as you're watching this memorial and people are talking about his life and what he did, um, you know, there's this, there's, it's just completely moving. I have yet to watch it without getting goosebumps. I literally just got goosebumps talking about it. <laughs> and, um, and when they finish it, you walk out. And you're kind of like getting and seeing kind of his accolades and what people said about him after he died. And they play an audio clip. And it was from an interview when he uh, when he first took office as the president. And mm-hmm. it was a very tumultuous time. A lot of people didn't trust the government for Vietnam and for Watergate. And they said, you know, uh, what's it like to take over the party of, of Abraham Lincoln? And he looked at the reporter and he said, oh, I'm not a Lincoln. I'm just a Ford. And the humility there and the, the, the callback to the auto industry in, in yeah. Michigan and the, I mean, the whole, it's just such a breath of fresh air given today's political climate. You know, it shows, uh-huh. it shows that there was a strong leader with authenticity and with integrity in, in what that looks like and what it manifests itself as. It's really inspiring. So um, that's the other interesting thing. I'll drop Yeah, it. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Check it out. Everybody check it out. Oh, I'll have to do that. Um, so while working in the tourism field, do you think having a degree in ad and PR gave you an edge? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is the thing that a lot of people ask. They're like, oh, too bad you couldn't get a degree or couldn't get a, couldn't get a job in your field. And it's like, what? What? Public relations at its simplest is about strategic communication. And we've said this a hundred times. What do you want to say? Who do you want to say it to? How do you want to say it? That's sales. I mean, Mm -hmm. objectives and tactics. You know, public relations has helped me to prioritize my sales role. What's the objective? Repeat visitation. What are the tactics? Hospitality, courtesy, assistance, itinerary planning, tour customization, service. It's, it frames your whole, your whole mentality. And, and frankly, what, you know, the real takeaway is here is that, that public relations and advertising or even a liberal arts education on the whole teaches you how to learn. You know, you think you're done learning when you graduate and, and shame on you if you're done learning when you graduate because really what, what university and what college exists to do is to help you learn how to learn. Mm-hmm. It never stops. Yeah. Very interesting. So what are, I mean, since you didn't, 
major in it, which obviously gave you an edge. What do you think some of the things you wish you knew before entering this field? So I entered tourism when I was 15 years old indirectly through working in a restaurant in Ypsilanti. And Uh I I worked my way up from a busboy at a Ram's Horn. I was a server at a Coney Island. So I kind of ingrained, worked at the Ann Arbor Eagle Crest Marriott, ultimately transferred over to the Courtyard Marriott, the Emily Grand intern for the company that runs those two companies and so anyways so i've been steeped in it for a long time but what are some things that i knew before entering the field i think you know as it pertains to to getting a degree and Mm -hmm. to entering kind of the workforce and and entering largely the tourism industry with like a salaried position um and even internships i'll back it up to internships you know i was very ready to take my job when i applied but that's because i started so young one of the things that I wish I had known earlier was really my personality type and my work style. You know, you'll always have parts of your job that you like more than others. But um, when I took a, a marketing internship with AHC Hospitality, so the ownership group of the Amway Grand Plaza, the JW, Peter Island Resort and Spa, and the British Virgin Islands, and I know, out there, and then the downtown Grand Rapids area, um, Courtyard by Marriott, uh, you know, I was on the food and beverage team for a long time. That's kind of how I paid my way through school. And when I was interning on the marketing team, we did all sorts of things. So they helped me. They let me do projects in graphic design, social media postings and moderating, some event planning, some photography. Um, and one day my manager said to me, you know, Dave, you could have a really bright future in marketing, but have you ever really thought about sales? And then she told me, like, that's where you really flourish. Like, you've got a really strong interpersonal um, you know, prowess, if you will, and you're good in those situations. And, and uh, I'm extremely extroverted and good with people. And, you know, I never really acknowledged that. Um, uh-huh. And while uh, we, were, we were selling advertising for uh, this in-house magazine called Solace, uh, which goes in all the hotel rooms downtown for those three big hotels, and they, they produce this magazine on its own, and it's largely a destination magazine um, that's kind of curated. It's more like a coffee table book. Okay, um, yeah. And they sell ads for it. And so I would get invited to go sell ads. And I would come on to these... It wasn't there for the sales call. I was there for the free food because I was a broke, unpaid intern. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, want to have lunch at the JW? And I'm like, hell yeah, I want to have lunch at the JW. So I would uh, I would go and, and eat. But largely, I found that I was just as engaged in the sales call. You know, once I hear the pitch once or twice and see the media kit, like I was you know, really supportive. And, and one day, I, I'm pretty sure that I'm the reason... A particular client bought a full-page color ad, and so, um, uh, you know, it was one of those moments where uh, that's when she said, you know, you're really flourishing in this. So, um, you know, what I never really acknowledged while I was studying before I entered the field was that I have a sales personality. I kind of thought of like used car salesman, and I never really acknowledged it. But had I had I taken more time to really be introspective on a personal level, I probably would have taken more public speaking or theater or sales classes. You know, I could have been proactive in clubs or at work, building the skill sets that I already knew I enjoyed more, um, and really built the technical knowledge through curriculum at GVSU to complement my personality. So yeah, I would encourage sure. everyone to kind of really take a hard look at what their own personality is like and, um, and you know, think about how their, their gen eds or their extracurricular things can, can help support that. Yeah, I know we did um, like a few personality types in one of my marketing classes and I'm that's sure. just really helped me like not 
not only like in interviews, but also just with my interactions day to day with like friends and family. I like now that I know how I act and how I can see how other people act, it's really easy to interact with them. Absolutely. And I think that that you could take that one step further and you can start to realize that not everyone's the same. Yeah. And when someone's more introverted or someone's more extroverted, you know, it's not better or worse. It's just different. And you, and you are a better human being for it. Like you said, family, friends, relationships. I mean, it's all, you can have more empathy in your life, uh, by knowing what drives other people. I mean, the, the, the sooner you learn that, the better. Yeah, for sure. So what do you think are some things that really get in the way of promoting our city? Mm. So the tourism industry is kind of interesting. Um, things that get in the way with Grand Rapids are obstacles. You know, that's an important consideration in public relations. What are some obstacles to the message you're trying to share? Um, I can kind of speak to it on an industry level, too, because, uh, you know, being an NTA and and some other things there's there's a few obstacles that could impact the tourism industry kind of nationally and locally um you know in the past travel decisions for business leaders or leisure travelers was kind of about like where are we going when are we going to go what's our budget today there's a there's a couple more factors you know impacting the travel decision that can be impacted by our political world our safety the ability for destinations to even be funded and market um it's important to remember that travel and tourism is an export you know the currency is is really spent in a destination by a visitor yeah that earned that money somewhere else so um when you look at a scenario like like north carolina's bathroom bill when they signed Uh that you know how many conferences left that state and said up oh, by like national conferences where yeah. there's like thousands of hotel rooms that said we're not going to be we're not going to bring our conference attendees to your state because the people that rep- that attend our conferences don't want to be uh, you know associated. don't want to feel like they're um, don't want to be associated but also like you know in some cases you know if it's like an LGBT conference and, and there's someone that's that bigoted like there's people that aren't even going to feel safe you know I mean, yeah, it comes back sure. to some very fundamental things so so looking at things like that and how you know sometimes there's local media here and, and local figures or people that, that have some misconceptions even on a state level between you know different sides of the state and how we communicate so that's something to keep in you know there's kind of this weaponization of travel um, in July Destinations International published a report on this topic that really looked at what the impact uh, of disputes have over things like immigration marriage equality gender identity you know and, and how that impacts travel um, where an individual or a group decides to visit or host a conference really can be impacted by those policies so um, uh-huh. that's something that I think could get in the way while promoting the city you know could I don't think that it really does as much. Yeah. Um, there's also conversations around defunding um, Brand USA and some of the national um, marketing efforts. Um, and, and there's sometimes those conversations revolve around defunding Pure Michigan too, because people will say like, "Oh, look at the roads. You know, the schools are broken. Flint needs water." And where those are all very true, if you look at every dollar that's spent in Pure Michigan on that campaign, the study, the most recent study that I recall was was like seven dollars and eighty five cents came back to the state in incremental tax revenue for every dollar they spent on Pure Michigan. That's crazy. It's a 700% return, almost yeah. 800% return uh-huh. on investment. 
I mean, I, if I was the state, I would put every dollar I had into pyramid yeah, scheme. Yeah, for sure. Quadruple, or, or not quadruple, what do you go, octuple it? And yeah. Then, and then put it into roads. So, I mean, it's take a take a longer view there. But, you know, on a national level, again, too, that's, you know, there's conversations about defunding Brand USA, you know, and, and should the government be bigger? Is that a role that the government should have? Um, you know, there's some proposed reductions. Uh and they involve questions regarding the effectiveness of marketing efforts. And it's important to remember that tourism marketing efforts really positively impact the whole, the city, the state, the country. Um, like I said kind of earlier, it starts with the visit. If you're going to come and you're going to be in a community, if you're going to start a business in a community, if you're going to get married in a community, it starts with a visit, visitation, promotion. And it really influences just the community at large. Um, there's also some interesting kind of developments with the sharing economy. So like what uh-huh. I mean by like Airbnb and VRBO yeah. and, and what, what's happening now with, you know, Uber versus taxis and the airport shuttles and stuff. So there's some industry, industry things that are kind of developing. Um, we haven't really taken a stand one way or the other because it's really a non-factor in Grand Rapids when you think about like economies of scale or maybe I didn't use that word right. I'm a communications major. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, they can potentially disrupt the traditional methods for booking and consuming travel. Um, you know, so, uh, when, and again, we're funded by hotel room revenue, but cities like Austin really enforce Airbnb to pay that occupancy tax that the hotels have to pay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's about legislating that, right. But, you know, promoting the city is, is also easier for some other communities that have kind of this, this, uh, sports focus i think that that's really i mean that's national eyeballs in a lot of levels with major league sports um major major league you know like the big four the nfl nba you know um and whatever the other two are the mlb and the uh nhl nhl and you know i i I love green bay but uh take the packers out of green bay and what are you left with you know so i think we would stack up and we compete with cities like green bay milwaukee indianapolis uh, you know, Toledo in, in, in some ways, you know, like a Pittsburgh or Kansas city, Detroit, you know, and, and when Columbus, Ohio, you know, when you look at what, what we're working with, what we compete with, um, they have this benefit of awareness because of their sports teams. And so Uh that's another thing that I would love to see continue to grow in West Michigan and, you know, in in the right way, but you know, a guy can dream. Yeah. So we'll leave off this podcast with our last question, and that is, what do you think is one of your favorite parts of the city? Man, my favorite parts of the city. Um, you know, I've got quite a few. Uh, mm-hmm. I kind of bring it back down to, I think, um, you know, what we do as a community and what sticks out to me the most, and the reason I decided to stay here after graduating, is really the momentum uh-huh. Um, you know, the people are great. Art prize is fantastic. The beer, the food, entertainment. But really what, what it comes down to for me is the growth. I'm a, a larger fish in a smaller pond here than I would be in a community like a Chicago or a Detroit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the sense of place that you have in Grand Rapids with the strong downtown core and strong surrounding neighborhoods like, a, you know, an East Town, a West Side, Uptown you know, Creston and, and Cheshire Village are emerging right now, and, um, you know, Southtown and, and Heritage Hill. You know, this town's got flavor and neighborhoods and a strong sense of place. And, you know, I grew up 
a 15 minute drive from anything worth going to. I was uh-huh. in a suburb outside of Ann Arbor, um, Superior Township, which, you know, I, I had a great childhood. I grew up with a ton of friends, but I'm a single young professional now, and I couldn't imagine living in a suburb. Yeah. Like, I walk to work every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a place where people want to be. So, my favorite part of the city, man, it, it's, it's the momentum. That's why I live, work, and play here. I love it. Yeah. So where can we find you online? We'll give you a little plug. Oh, yeah. Um, well, uh, I would say, first of all, follow Experience Grand Rapids on all social channels, whatever you prefer. If you're a Snapchat person or an Instagram person, we've got regular stories and content that we push up through those channels. Um, we also have a, a really robust Facebook page, YouTube channel, uh, blogging, and, and otherwise. So I would say absolutely ch- you know, keep in touch with Experience Grand Rapids. Our website is mobile-friendly. Uh, the Brusader app is a really cool kind of activity to do with friends. Um, but personally, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm pretty visible there. Uh, I'm also um, on all social media. So, I mean, as you're trying to connect Twitter, I'm uh, – I'm active in Twitter sometimes, and then I don't take breaks because I'm uh, yeah. I'm in sales now, and I feel less <laughs> of a pressure to stay cu- current. But you know, Twitter, uh, you know, D Nikkevich. I'm not even gonna try to spell it. Um, <laughs> It'll be in the. <laughs> you'll, you'll see it in the link, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, Twitter and, and LinkedIn would probably be the best two ways to reach out. Yeah. Like, well, thank you so much. For thanks being for on having the podcast. me. Podcast yeah. really enjoyed it. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and make sure to tune in next time for GBSU's PR Hangover with Hunter Buren. Bye.